This morning we'll be reading from Luke 10, verses 1 through 20. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable, bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And for you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. All right, good morning. So, so good to be with you guys today. And some of you I know from the past, and I have this cool distinction of going with you guys from the tents. And, and then I was asked one time to speak in the tents, and I remember it was in the 20s that day. And so you guys must have been desperate for speakers probably, but you invited me when it was in the 20s, and then I got to speak in the pavilion one time in August. So, man, this is amazing, right? Like, I look at this, and I'm like, man, they didn't, they brought me in the fall and in this building. That's pretty amazing. So, as you can see from the screen, uh, before some of you guys that know me, I'm just going to tell this very quickly. I used to be a basketball coach with Kerwin Dees, and then I became a head coach myself at some schools, and then we decided that God was calling us to go to Mali, Africa. I'm going to explain that in a minute. We went there. We've been there for about five years. We recently came home, and now I'm what's the big fancy title is Global Outreach Pastor, which really is another term for missions pastor, right? And so that's what I do now. 
over in Northwest Arkansas. Okay, anybody here from Arkansas? Yeah. All right, awesome. We got a few infiltrated here, right? So it's really great to uh, be with you. And so, uh, but really, as Cole said earlier, my connection here to this church is with Kerwin and Nancy Dees, right? And I know most of you know them. And so that's my connection. Kerwin is my mentor. Whenever I was 21 years old, I just prayed, God, would you let me learn to be a coach from somebody who's a great coach and someone who's a great father and a great husband and a great friend? And that was my sole prayer. And I had no idea who Kerwin Dees is. And God blessed me to be underneath that man. And so that's really my connection. We've grown to love Nancy over the years. And so we're always so thankful to get to be here uh, with you guys and, and share what's going on. Like Cole said, today I'm going to share with you guys about missions and what, which, so some people jump over that and I appreciate what Cole said so much. Missions is just the strategy, right? And you never want to just focus on the strategy. It's, you want to focus on the why, right? You want to focus on the why. And so many times when you have people come to speak about missions, they tell you that they knew they were supposed to go for some really great reason that they were supposed to go. So I want to show you my reason here on this next slide. Um, these guys, right? And so this is my family. Uh, a lot of them left a few minutes ago to, to go out with the children's and, and all. And uh, you can see that uh, I have now a 13 or a 14-year-old boy, a 12-year-old boy, an 8-year-old boy, and then my daughter is 10. And so you can see them and my wife, Melissa. So I'm going to reference her a few times today as we go, because she has been one of the great ministry people that I've ever seen do work. And God has used her and, uh, and used my kids to do amazing things for the, for the kingdom uh, that I'm so proud that I feel like Forrest Gump, if you've ever seen that movie, of marriage and coaching and missions and all these things, I just kind of stumble into the right spot at the right time. And so I'm going to tell you kind of how God had used our lives and then I've got this family, and exactly like Cole said, that we're going to do missions because people don't worship, right? That they're not worshiping God, and so he's blessed us. Aren't you glad? I was just thinking this the other day. I got an opportunity to speak to a group of high school kids. Aren't you glad that somebody shared the gospel with you? Amen. Like, I mean, it's just crazy to think about, because I, I grew up not in a church family, and we didn't go except for the week before Christmas. Maybe on Easter we went. And so for us, I'm so glad that somebody invited me to a church camp and a guy shared with me. And it's like, you know, there's kids out there, there's families out there that just don't know, right? They don't have the privilege that we have. And so that's why we do it. That's why we go. That's why you would take a family like this to the place I'm going to describe to you in a few minutes. I want to tell you specifically why that happened for me on this next slide, which you'll see is Acts 1.8. Most of you probably know this verse, right? I love this verse. I'm going to read it twice for you. And I'm going to, the first time I'm going to follow the word of God, and the second time I'm going to do a little paraphrasing here for you. So, but you will receive my power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So man, what a great promise. The Holy Spirit's coming on you guys. The same one that raised Jesus from the dead, right? Like the commentary of that, like he's going to come upon you and you get that power, Okay. And you will be, you, Jason, Melissa, Josiah, Cole, Laura, different ones sitting out here, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
Okay? So, Cole talked about local missions, and he talked about global missions. Okay? So, what we're, Cole's trying to lead you guys, and please follow him, because we met last night and talked for a long time, and I was like, man, we just so align and agree on all of this stuff that I think if you'll follow him and Laura, I think you'll experience Jesus in a way you never have. And this verse promises that. And so let me reread it and see if I can change some of these words and make it make sense to you. But you guys will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Carlton Landing. And you follow local missions in Samaria. And so is Samaria, is that Tulsa? Is it Dallas? Is it Little Rock? Is it Northwest Arkansas for you? You've got those places, right? Is it Oklahoma? And then, this is the part that most of us forget, is and to the ends of the earth. In my case, in my family's case, it was Mali, Africa. For you, what's it going to be? That's the prayer, right? God's calling you to this. He didn't stop and said that you get to do it at Carlton Landing, Eufaula, and back in the other places that you guys live or your hometowns, and that's it. He says all of these places. And so today let's walk through and see what some of Scripture says and uh, kind of where, uh, where it is um, Mali. And I want to show you that. And so but before I do that, it's really important for my family that we say thank you to you guys. So you guys have partnered with us when we came and you guys were growing, like I said, the tent, the pavilion, all these things. And we were laboring away in Mali. So I hope you humbly accept these stories I'm going to tell you today. We were laboring away in Mali trying to learn culture, you know, eating goat brains, you know, fish intestines, these kind of things, doing all this stuff. And the kids would, would, would live there. They were learning not only French, but they were learning Bambra. And then they would even learn that they needed to greet people in Fulani languages and things like that, or Arabic Right? And so we were adjusting and learning all of these things. And we, and in all honesty, we had our doubts whether Jesus was actually going to show up. That's all he's ever done is show up for us, right? We felt like the children of Israel, the Hebrews, walking through the desert, complaining, right? Is he going to show up again? And we did that for like three years. And we wondered, would he, would he ever show up? So I want to tell you the story of that. But my attitude today towards you guys is thank you. My attitude toward you guys is thank you, because when we were stuck in that spot, you guys came through and you said, because we, we were out of money, and you said, we need you back there, even though nothing's happened yet. We believe in your story, and you guys gave us some money to buy some plane tickets to go back. You bought us an iPad. You're going to see how that iPad came into play later, and you, you helped us to do that. And so we want to say thank you from our family to yours today. And so that's a big part of us coming here is that, and then I think... Maybe I can show you some scriptures and tell you like how cool it is to get to participate in some of this. So uh, on our next slide here, where is Molly? That's always the question. There it is. See the green there? So that's Africa. And so it's Northwest Africa. And at one time we wanted to name our team when you do these missions teams. So Northwest Arkansas, everybody calls it NWA. And so that's Northwest Africa. And so we wanted to do NWA to NWA. But it sounded a little bit too much like a rap name, so we didn't, we didn't really, we didn't do it. Uh, we thought it'd be hard to, for people to think we were trustworthy in that case. So <clears throat> let me tell you a few things about Mali. So Mali has 0.63% uh, believers in Jesus, 
Okay? So most people are Muslims. Usually if they're not Muslims, they're animists. And so what is an animist? Those are people that would think, hey, it hasn't rained in a long time. Let's sacrifice a baby to the rain gods and see if it'll rain. Okay? And so that's what most people there are. And then the, the reality on the ground is that they're a mix of the two. Is that they're, they're a mix of the two. And so that's what this place is. That's what it looked like. But what you're going to find, it's just like you guys before you were believers. Aren't you glad somebody shared the gospel with you? These people are the same way. They want to have a good life. They want to have food. They want to have friends. They want hope of eternity is what they're looking for, right? So now let me show you the real map of Molly so you'll know how courageous my wife is. First, I want to set it up really good for you, though, before he turns the slide, okay? Anywhere that's green means you need to be vigilant. So that'd be like the equivalent of going to a dangerous place in the States. You know, I would tell people like downtown Little Rock, those kind of things. You could get on a wrong turn. You need to be aware. Make sure your doors are locked. That's green, right? Then there's yellow places that you go, and there's just high crime. It's high possibility something's going to happen to you all those sort of things, you need to be careful, right? Then there's orange places, and those orange places on the, on the map say, if you go there, the government better have given you a very, very, very strategic reason to go there, okay? And so this is all put out by the U.S. Embassy, and then the last category is the red. And so in the red is the place that if you go there, the U.S. government says there's no good reason to be there, not for any reason, like there's no reason. You should go there. If you go there and you get captured, we're not even going to come and get you with the Navy SEALs because you shouldn't have been there. You're too stupid, is what they would say. So show them the map. Here's where Molly is. This is what it looks like. And so I always put out there to the side, way out in the middle of Timbuktu. You guys know that expression? That's look up to the north there, like in the middle north. You can see a little city called Timbuktu. And that's why they have that expression, Right? So we lived on that orange dot or orange square. You see it? That's where we lived. We went into the red from time to time. Now that sounds really heroic, but guess what? We were stupid and didn't really realize all this stuff all the time. And when we moved there, it wasn't as red as this. But once we were already going, it turned more red, more red, more red. <coughs> and that went from a yellow dot to an orange dot. And so what are you going to do? You're going to give up and come home? Or did you have a compelling reason to be there? Because worship still did not exist there. Did God really call you to this? Is, he, is Jesus really going to show up? And so this is the map. That's why I tell you my wife is really the, the true hero. She, at the time, we had um, four kids that were five and under. And so uh, why should we go, right? We had four kids, five and under. And the deal is, why would we go? And so on our next slide, why does missions exist? Cole said this to you earlier, right? Because worship doesn't. It's a John Piper quote. So we go and we do missions because worship doesn't exist. And so worship didn't exist in my heart in high school. I thought I had it figured out. If I was a good enough kid, I'd get there. And somebody said, he's prideful and he's a nice kid and he's not going to believe this. And they burrowed in. They went in there because worship didn't exist in my heart. And it's not because I deserve it. It's because Jesus deserves it. He deserves for my life to worship him. And so that was really the, 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 the key for us is once we saw that, you see Acts 1.8, and he's, it feels like Jesus is pointing his finger right at me, saying that you will be my, there's nobody else coming. You're my witness to the ends of the earth. 
And so I always hear as I share these stories that we feel honored to get to be obedient to the calling of Christ and that we got to experience him in ways that he was going to do no matter what. But we were obedient, and because of that, God uh, blessed that. And the same for you guys in your sacrificial giving to us. And so that's where the thank you comes from. And so if, uh, if Jesus was going to um, show up in our lives like he had coaching basketball, if we obeyed, did we trust that? And so that was a daunting task on that red map and with this quote. And so on our next slide here, uh, you'll see Luke 10. We just read it, right? We just read it. So I want to read it again. I, and I'm going to tell you why as we go here. But after this, the Lord appointed 72, okay? Now, I don't know about you guys. I don't identify with the 12 disciples very much. Like, because one of the things in missions, a lot of times, is it's really hard to get visas. So I knew this guy one time. He was a geologist. And he was like, hey, here's the good place to drill for oil. And I was like, that's a valuable skill. That's an important skill, right? I met this lady who was a, a, a nurse, and she knew how to train other people to be nurses. I was like, that's a valuable skill. Me, I'm good at teaching high school boys to put a leather ball into an iron hoop. Good luck getting a visa with that, right? And so that was kind of what we thought, uh, that we were going to be stuck, and it was going to be hard. So I identify with these 72 guys, the no-name disciples is what I call them. And so I see myself oftentimes is that it's not worth mentioning who I am, but it's worth mentioning what God did through some people that they don't mention their name. And so after this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go, and he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like a lamb among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. So next you'll see, I just wanted to cut it down just so you were clear on what you were supposed to do. Go, I am sending you out, right? And so what does that look like? Strategically, he wants worship to happen in these places. And so he's sending you out. He, maybe he's physically sending you out. Maybe he's sending out your heart, your mind, your prayers for somebody to strategically jump behind. And how can we move the ball forward for the gospel in one of these hard places? How would I sacrifice? Like, Because you probably look at me and you think, wow, they're, they're either crazy or kind of cool. I'm not sure yet, right? And so we went. For you, it might be your prayers. He might be calling you to to one hour of prayer for that per day. He might be calling you to give, but he's calling you to go. That was clear in Acts 1.8, right? And so, just in case you missed it, on the next one here, how are we being sent out? And it says, go. Again, he says it. I am sending you out like a lamb among wolves. I want you to think for just a second. You're a lamb, and now you're in a herd of wolves, right? I don't even know if that's a herd is the right word, but you're in a herd of wolves, and so you're running with them, and you're this lamb. Not a very good feeling. Could it look like that red map I showed you? And there's an orange square in the middle. It can feel like that, right? So these are promises that God has given us. It's going to feel like that. It's going to feel daunting, and you can't do it. That's okay, because you, you can't do it, because Jesus is going to do it through his spirit, through his word. And so that's going to happen through you guys' church. It already has once. And so we're going to be calling you to pray for that as we go. 
Okay, so you remember the red map right there. Why should we go? Why, why, why? Let me show you um, and introduce you to my friend here, okay? So the guy in the blue shirt, that's Brandon. That was my assistant coach and my, and my partner from before. So as I am to Coach D's, he is to me, if you will. And so then this guy in the middle is the more interesting guy. His name is Isa. Does anybody know what Isa means in Arabic? Jesus, that's the name. So if you were to read the, the, the Gospels in Arabic, Isa is the name they used there. So this guy didn't know that was what his name was. And so we told him, and he was super interested. And so we had this encounter. So Isa, this is his garden. This is like where you buy dirt and flowers for your landscaping there in the Sahara Desert, which never works, by the way, especially if you have a black thumb. But it's hard to get stuff to grow when it doesn't rain for 10 straight months. But that's what Isa does for a job, okay? And so he's there. He'd never heard that his name means Jesus. And then he became interested once we bought some dirt about what that could look like and what that meant uh, for him. So he often would invite us into his group to eat strange foods. So let me show you that picture right there. There's Melissa. You can see her right there. After cooking and carrying this stuff on her head, you see Adeline sitting at the end of basketball practice, eating, no matter, nobody knows what, over there with friends, right? And so when you read the passage earlier, you heard that people would eat food together, right? And so look on the, uh, the, the far side of Melissa over there, you'll see a girl that we call Habi. So Isa, the picture before, Isa said, would you teach us about Jesus, my name, what does it mean? And we said, we will. We'd like for you to get your friends, your oikos, your group together, and we'd like to study with them. And so for whatever reason, he invited Javi, this young girl that he's the godfather of, and then he invited this guy who washed cement trucks that worked next to him to come and to study the Bible. Uh, every week at Wednesday at 1030, we met for tea, and then we ate fruit, and then we talked in French and Bambra for about four or five hours, four or five hours. And then Isa would say, it's time to study the Bible now. So we would start studying the Bible at like three o'clock in the afternoon. <clears throat> and so that happened. And then this girl, Habi, becomes a believer one day. And she decides that after two years that this is the truth and that I want to follow Jesus and so when I was last here, I'd been here twice. When I was last here, that had not happened. That had not happened yet. And so for us, she explained, you guys have no clue what I'll be persecuted like, what it's going to feel like for me to now follow Jesus. But I know in my bones, this is the truth. And this is my path to a better life, if not here in heaven. And so Javi said, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way to God except through him. And so she did that after studying for two years. So let me show you the next part of this verse. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered. So no matter what Esau offered us, we ate it. It wasn't always good. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near to you. And guess what? The kingdom of God was near because the Holy Spirit lives in me, lives in my wife, it lives in my kids' hearts. 
And so it was near because of that. And it had not been near in Esau's life ever before. And so God used his people like he does throughout the whole Bible, right? With Moses and David and all the different ones. He uses us to bring near and worship to a heart and to a people that don't have it. And that's why missions exist, right? And so when you look at this verse and you read it and you know that God has come near to them, that is an unbelievable feeling. They can sense it. Here, we, we brush up against that all the time, and you guys don't know that, and you don't feel that, but in this case, you know it. So on our next slide here, it says, whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me, which is God. The 72, so that could be your basketball coaches, right? With joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So they encountered demons on this road. 72 no-name people encountered that. And even the demons submitted in this verse. So that's scary. I want you to think about today that you feel compelled after the end of my talk to move to some place with a red map and that you've heard that there's demon possession and that one day you might meet that somewhere, right? Think about that. And so that we felt that, just like you guys, and it happened. And so... On this next slide here, you'll see a refugee camp, okay? And so this is a landfill that was full, and the, the people in the north up in Timbuktu had been attacked by terrorists, and they had implemented Sharia law. Sharia law, just real quick in parentheses here, Sharia law is where they enact everything in the Quran that women can't go to school, they can't learn, they burn down schools that teach French or English or anything other than Arabic. And so they don't let them learn those things because that way the gospel can't penetrate, right? And they enforce that through cutting off of hands, murder, whatever it is. And so they'd implemented that. So these people came to the capital city. They were trying to get to the orange dot because they thought if we could make it there, we will be safe, right? That's what their hope was. If we could make it there, we'd be safe. Guess what? They were right because the kingdom was coming near. When they moved to this landfill that was full, there was one girl there um, and so if you go to the next one here, you'll see that these are people, right? See this little girl, right? These are the people. This girl isn't a terrorist. She is a Muslim. She wasn't a terrorist. And she wanted a better life. She wants a chance in life, right? And then there was another girl there named Geneva. And Geneva was demon-possessed. And they had read the Quran over her. They brought in witch doctors. And none of it worked. And we had an Argentinian missionary friend there, and they called him because he worked at the refugee camp all the time, just like my wife Melissa did. And so he worked there, and they called him, and they said, is there anything you can do? Seems like you have a connection with God. Is there anything you can do? And he said, I don't know if it'll work, but I'll pray in the name of Jesus over her and see what happens. And so he did, and she became calm all of a sudden. And so Luke 10 is true. Because of the power of the Spirit, you will be able to cast out demons. And so these people, with no translation, right, no church, no missionaries, in the middle of the red where the U.S. government, every Western government says, don't go there, we're not even going to help you if they capture you. Somehow, God redeems a bad situation. He sends them to the capital city. They live on top of a trash heap. And after years of service 
and they don't speak a language, some of them begin to learn a language, the Bomber language that I spoke about earlier. Some of them learn that to be able to do trades, and they find out from Melissa the gospel. They hear it for the first time. And so if you see this next picture, let's see what this looks like now. This is inside of one of their nicest houses, right? Looks like these houses here, right? Or the ones I live in in northwest Arkansas. So this is, uh, this is one of their houses that was nice. And this was a worship service of Jesus. We sang, we sang hymns that day. I didn't know what the words were, but Melissa speaks their language and told me those were hymns. So, um, so that, that we, learned, we learned of what God was doing in their hearts through the Jesus film. And so we'd cut it down and we'd studied it and these people had discipled their way to a decision to follow Jesus as a group. And so you see them here celebrating in their church service just like we're doing here. We celebrated in prayer and song and scripture reading and the teaching of the word today. And they did the same thing on that day. And so these people, I'm telling you, I lacked faith even though I moved there. I lacked faith that these people had no translation, no missionaries, no church, no building, they had been attacked, and Luke 10 is true. I'm here to tell you that it's true, and that these people worship. And so if you go to the next one, you'll see the guy standing up there. His name is Zerbo. And so Zerbo's the leader of this, this, this group. And Zerbo told us, he goes, here's the thing. And so that you think like it's an original idea, okay, because Zerbo doesn't know. He's not from our world. And he goes, hey, here's the thing. When the war calms down, and the government gains control, and Sharia law is gone. We're going back up there, and we need to build a shelter, like so we can all meet together, and we can hear each other, and the sun is off of us, and the rain is off of us, and we're protected, and we'll read, and we'll sing these songs together, and he said, we'll read scripture together, we'll watch the Jesus film together, and we'll talk about it, and he goes, what do you think? We could even put that symbol that Jesus died on, on the outside of the building. That'd be a cool idea, wouldn't it? And he said, and so that's Zerbo's heart. So why is that important, right? It's a really cool story, but that happened to you, didn't it? Didn't that happen to you guys? I know it happened to me, that you wanted to put that symbol on your heart. You wanted to put it on this building, right? Here it is. I'm standing beside it. It's coming through the light. You guys did the same thing, and the Holy Spirit moved in you and told you to do that. And he did that to Zerbo, you want confirmation of that? Zerbo doesn't speak, like Melissa speaks three languages. Some of my kids speak three languages. I speak two, and Zerbo speaks a language that's a, neither of the, none of those. And he put that in Zerbo's heart, and he told us that through translation. And so how else could it be? Why would anybody want to do that on that red area way out in the middle of Timbuktu? Why would anybody want to do that? with that level of persecution, other than the Spirit moving in him, right? And so as we go to the next one here, let's read this. So this is in verse 20. We pick, it, we pick the scripture back up. However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, okay? So be careful. Melissa and I are still living by this. You can ask it as our friends can hold us accountable to this. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven, because I'm glad I'm in heaven, what a, what a way to rejoice. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father. So now this is Jesus praising the Father, Lord of heaven and of earth. 
Because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned. Think of your hometowns. Is it hidden from people there in business that are so smart, that are literate? And it has revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. Okay? That's like, oh, that's kind of scary. And then no one knows who the Father is except the Son. And those, here we are, this is us. And those to whom the Son has to reveal himself. That's you. That's me. He's done it. He's revealed it. It's Zerbo. All the way over there. It's our man Zerbo. He's revealed himself to him. He's not educated. He can't read. He doesn't speak. He speaks a language four languages away from you guys. And so sacrifice, prayer, and those things that you guys have done have helped contribute to be a part of that. Me going have helped to be a part of that. And that, Jesus was going to do it anyways, and we all got to experience it through obedience. So I'm here to say thank you and to remind you of that, right? And so as we look at this next one here, this is a prison ministry, okay? And I want to tell you a quick, quick version of this, okay? So I got involved in this prison ministry. The guy, obviously you can pick out which one's me, right? And so um, there, there I am. There's a guy that we built this as a cinder blocks and a tarp. This is a baptism, okay? This guy was a Muslim. He's in prison for stealing motorcycles. And that day we baptized over 40 guys. They let us... The prison said, every Easter we'll let you guys baptize because the warden was a Muslim. But they didn't want to see these men starve to death. So they let us in because we brought stale bread once a week to help feed these guys. Whenever they ran out of money in their budget to eat, we would bring food and they would let us in. And we'd buy our way in with this food, this access to these people's hearts by serving them. And so then they would listen to our message and they wanted to know why we did this. And so the guy, Shaka is also a believer. He ran the streets because his parents died when he was 12. He was arrested. He was in prison. And some lady came from Holland and preached the gospel in his prison, and he believed. And when he was released, he became a pastor. And so he and I would go every Tuesday, and we would share with these guys, right? Well, then we had 23 guys get baptized two years ago, okay? And then we took those guys and we began to disciple them so that they understood Genesis through Revelations and, and how to share their faith and do that. And so that's what I did with his son. And then he, Shaka, kept preaching to the people. So a year, this last Easter, when you guys were meeting in here, we baptized over 40 of these guys. This is one of them. But more importantly, let me show you the next guy. This is Kamara. Okay, Kamara was in the group of 23. So the last picture Guess who prayed with that guy to receive Christ? And guess who shared the gospel with him? Kamara. Not me. Not Shaka. Kamara, who's still in prison. And so Kamara shared with him. So I'm here to tell you as a testimony that the word of God is living and active. It's like a double-edged sword. It's cutting through the joints and the bones and the marrow. Right? And so it's doing that in all of us. And it's doing it in these places that are scary, and they're hard, and it's full of Muslims. And so this is happening across the world, and I wanted you to know that, and I wanted to thank you for what you were doing. So in our next one here, as we take a look, this is a mosque in Mali, okay? And so 
A lot of you guys know about Islam. You have to get up at sunrise seven days a week, right? Even, even when the time falls back, you still got to get up at sunrise. <coughs> and you stay up until the sun sets. And so sometimes that's late. And you pray five times a day. If you miss one of those prayers in your lifetime, you're not getting in. There's no hope for you. And so you got to hit all those prayers to get in. It's all about what you can do. But every day when you live in these countries, guess what happens? You hear the sound, you hear the call to prayer, right? And it's there, and these people come in, and you see it, and they're called to prayer. And you hear it in Arabic, that chant, that yell, and it haunts your soul because you know it's a false god. You know it needs to be torn down, and they're so committed. Can you imagine your whole life getting up and doing these prayers and finding out that's a falsehood? And so they're doing that. Here's what I want to tell you. Jesus called us to pray. So on this next one, look, here. I skipped past this pretty fast earlier. It's my favorite verse in the Bible, maybe. He told them, the harvest is plentiful. Just think about that red map for a minute. Like, it's a scary place, right, with the orange dot. The harvest is plentiful there. Sure, it's plentiful here. It's plentiful in Eufaula. I'd say that to encourage you, right? It's plentiful everywhere. But we got one problem. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And so I think God is also in this verse, or Jesus in this verse, is giving us a call to prayer. He's giving us a call to prayer. And Coles gave you guys a call to prayer. We're committed to local missions and to global missions. Let's pray and see what God would have us to do in that, right? So one thing I like to do is everybody does this, and then you leave, and then you get to talking about other things, and you forget to do it, is like, I would ask you to consider right now taking your phone out and setting an alarm for 10.02. And why, do, why 10.02? And I've had people do this in the past. And so Luke 10.2, what should we be praying? Lord, the harvest field is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. I'm telling you, it's shooting fish in a barrel in these places. These people want to follow Jesus. They're looking for him. They're getting up at sunrise on that call to prayer to find him. And they can't find him. The problem is that workers aren't plentiful. And so would you pray about how God would use your prayer time, your life, your knowledge, your str- strategy to go, right? And so you can take it, and, and many of us have done it. As you set an alarm for 10.02 so you don't forget three weeks from now. And so that's the call is would you pray And would you consider that today for how you guys can join globally in what's going on and how you follow in obedience? So I want to close this in prayer here uh, before Cole comes up. Lord, we just thank you for um, Carlton Landing and the people that are members of this church and faithful attenders and believers here, Lord, and just every heart and soul that's in here. You've called us to pray. I mean, it couldn't be more clear, Lord, that the harvest field is plentiful that you want the glory, worship's not happening, and that you want it to happen so that you are honored and that you are glorified. So how do we do that here in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds? What are you calling us to, Lord? We know you're calling us to pray, so how do we strategically do missions because worship doesn't exist? So we love you, God. We pray that you move in each heart and soul with synergy and unity so that we have all things in common, which is the Spirit, God, towards you and moving towards you.
toward local and global missions for this church. In Jesus' name, amen.